0: You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s.
1: I am a blood relative of the man who is the the head of the Republican Revolution, who has ushered in this new brand of conservatism that you believe in. Therefore, Quit lying to people. Gays come from all kinds of American families, and you can't
0: stereotype us. LGBTQ activist Candace Gingrich. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Happy Pride. Well, you know, it can't be easy being the sibling of a very famous politician. But probably especially so if you're a lesbian and your brother happens to be one of the nation's leading right-wing conservatives. In 1994... The Republican Revolution took over Congress and Newt Gingrich became the Speaker of the House. And suddenly, his half-sister Candace, who pronounces the family name Gingrich, found themselves, as they put it, an accidental activist. I met them in 1996, just at a time when same-sex marriage was being debated in the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, as well as courts all over the country, as you're about to hear in this interview. And you may also hear some terminology that may sound a little dated- Because, for example, the term LGBTQ had not yet come into wide usage, as you're about to hear in this interview. So, here now, from 1996, Candace Gingrich.
1: Although my tale is very specific in that I am a lesbian and that I happen to recognize my ability to be an activist through my brother becoming speaker, it still somewhat has universal Themes in that um, that rea- reality that it takes some defining moment in your life for you to realize something about yourself. Um, and for me, it was the election in '94, my brother becoming speaker, and my having a reporter ask me if I was gay or not. For me to realize that uh, my voice could be heard. Um, and there are a lot of people in the country who who I've spoken with who have, um, through my coming out story, through my Um, ability to speak out in the face of of what they consider um, a great opposition um, have realized in themselves their own ability to, by being out or if you're not out by writing their member or by by speaking up for others, um, affect change in a positive way. And not everyone can come to a town hall meeting. Not everyone can make it to a pride festival. Not everyone can, um, you know, catch a new show that I might happen to be on. Um, but but books do get to places where the word might not get there, uh, and it's just a way to, to spread that idea.
0: But yet, as as your very title implies, I mean. This is not something, this is not an office you ran for, a title you sought, something that you campaigned for and fought for, maybe that you dreamed of since you were six years old. It kind of was thrust upon you. Um,
1: I actually shy away from the word thrust because certainly at at every avenue and to this date, I have the option of uh, going back to Harrisburg and continuing the life of an apathetic complacent person um, but there was I don't know if I could live with myself if, if I had chosen that
0: well once you once you've tasted the the ability to to influence the way others think and and we're talking not just about other lesbian or gay people that you're addressing you're talking about a straight audience that thinks those people and then they see you and they say well, she looks like one of us. I mean, maybe she's normal.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's a a very important recurring theme in in that uh, showing the honest, true, realistic face of a gay or lesbian person is a very powerful tool in in turning the the ignorance or the stereotypes or the myths that people hold about gay people into understanding and into education. Uh, And and that, I think from from the get-go, that was one of the most beneficial, positive things that I saw in my coming out publicly is that there are a whole host of people who are under the impression that gays only come from bad, abnormal, dysfunctional families where something's gone horribly wrong. But here's a chance to remind those people as well as the extremists who who continue to spout that kind of of rhetoric that, hey, I am a blood relative of the man who is the the head of the Republican Revolution, who has ushered in this new brand of conservatism that you believe in. Therefore, quit lying to people. Gays come from all kinds of American families, um, and you can't stereotype us um, and say that we're simply the product of a bad environment or a bad
0: upbringing. But also, when you speak of stereotypes or public perceptions based on one little soundbite and things like that, I've heard people who assume that you and your brother are deadly enemies, that you can't get along <laughs> on anything, that you that you will take potshots at each other, that if you were armed, that one of you would probably be dead by now. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And that's not the case either.
1: No, it's not. I, I think, unfortunately, that's indicative of, of a greater kind of uh, um, sentiment that if you disagree with somebody, you should automatically hate them. Um, and that's not the case. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to to be part of a family that is very strong and secure, and diverse, and able to understand that, regardless of how you feel or what your opinions, or your politics are, we are still family. Um, and so, and and I get that a lot too. I mean, obviously, people call in and say, you know, why are you embarrassing your brother? Why are you bad mouthing your brother? Why are you doing this? And and they think that just because I'm an out lesbian who's speaking my mind, I'm automatically attacking him because he disagrees with me. I'm not attacking him. I, I'm attacking the person who is using his position, um, or I should say, who's not using his position to advance what I think are some very basic civil rights issues.
0: Still, it's kind of it, it, it must feel kind of awkward in a way, because in, in any family, you're going to have someone who's a Republican, someone who is a Democrat, or you have one who's Catholic and the one who decided he's going to be Protestant, you know, that kind of thing. You're going to have those kind of disagreements, but in most families, the person doing the disagreeing can't influence national policy. Now, your brother can has, ha, can and has influenced national policy. I mean, does that change the tenor of your disagreement?
1: Um, I don't know if it changes the the tenor, but it certainly um, redoubles my individual efforts to try and effect change, uh, because certainly. I don't think he's representing the country accurately. I think he's way out of touch when it comes to issues that, that do uh, affect gay and lesbian Americans, but he's not the only one. And that's that's part of the greater picture, that, that there are many representatives who, who claim to be um, concerned and caring about their constituents when in reality um, don't even acknowledge that there are gay and lesbian people who live within their districts. And... Um, I don't think that you have to be of one party or another to agree that there are some very basic issues of fairness that our country was founded on. And the ability to do one's job free of prejudice is one of those basic rights that that I would hope no matter what your party you can agree on.
0: Well, conversely, I mean, that just just because of your status doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with everything that Steve Gunderson and Barney Frank and Gary Studs has to say.
1: Absolutely. I mean, although um, I recognized very early on that, that I'm a Democrat and I've come to understand that when it comes to gay issues, one party has been much more supportive than the other, but they certainly aren't perfect. Um, they they aren't quite there yet on the marriage issue. They don't understand that we should be protected from discrimination and in, in you know credit and public accommodation and other arenas, but there's a good starting block. I mean, they understand that the discrimination we face in the workplace is wrong and are committed to changing that, and I think that's a very good place to start.
0: Well, actually, before we leave that immediate subject, can I ask you, I mean, we're, we're today, now just hours away, apparently, from this Senate vote on the, that is going to define a marriage in federal law. It'll be on the books now, in, in law libraries all across America, that a marriage is between a man and a woman. Period.
1: It's kind of an interesting uh, situation for the Republican Party to be in since they were basically the proponents of this bill, um, the supporters, uh, the real flamethrowers on this bill, which is basically taking, if I can get this right, something that's been a state's issue for over 200 years and raising it to the federal arena. Which is particularly interesting because this is the party who I think for the past two years has been uh, crying states' rights, states' rights, less federal government intrusion, more rights and more power to the states. And they keep claiming that we are trying to redefine marriage. It sounds to me like they're trying to redefine um, who governs and who who uh, rules what, what marriage means and doesn't mean.
0: Not only that, but at this point, I mean, the Hawaii trial is just beginning itself today. It's going to take years for that case to be resolved there. This is almost seems like somebody's a little. What dare I say? Paranoid.
1: <laughs> paranoid, or somebody needed a uh, a volatile campaign issue. Um, once again, the use of a particular groups of Americans uh, as as uh, political cannonballs, so to speak, to try and throw them at each other. Um, It's been said before that the Republican Party used to be anti-tax and anti-communism. And while they still are definitely anti-tax, gays have now replaced communists when it comes to their wrath. Um, and um, there's no finer example than that than of the Defense of Marriage Act, which, you know, the Senate has, I think, five more appropriations bills that they need to pass before October 1st. I think maybe they should be thinking about that (laughs) rather than an issue that, that most Americans really aren't afraid of.
0: Does it mitigate it in any way if they can get the amendment attached to at least protect gays and lesbians from discrimination in the workplace?
1: Well... Actually, unfortunately, it's not an amendment anymore, and I, maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately. Um, what has happened is that uh, Senator Lott has recognized the strong support that the Employment Nondiscrimination Act has from not only members, but also the country as a whole, and has allowed it to come up for a vote all by itself as a freestanding bill right after the Defense of Marriage Act. And, and although we've got a, a long road ahead of us, um, we're very confident that, that the Senate, being the fair-minded, uh, saving grace that it has been in the past couple years, years, will recognize that this isn't a partisan issue. This is about fairness for all Americans. And I'm fairly confident and, op- confident and optimistic that um, it will be one of these days where we've got a very heinous bill that gets passed, but that we also get a very fair bill that gets passed.
0: After this short break, what Candace and Newt's mom had to say Back to my 1996 interview with Candace Gingrich. We've been talking for almost 10 minutes now about kind of a, a, a narrow focus here, and that's not clearly what your book is about, you know, in its entirety. I mean, there's there's your whole life is in here.
1: Yeah, and my whole life is in there, and I, I think though that that the kind of discussion that we just have had is an end result of the things that I talk about in my book, because you know, truly. Growing up in America is never easy for anyone, I I think. Um, It certainly um, has become a challenge, and it shouldn't be. Um, But the gay and lesbian Americans face challenges that that no young person should have to face. Um, And in in the end result, we all have the power, both gay and non-gay, to really take control and affect change, whether it's in the community or whether it's statewide or whether it's nationally. And that... You know, there's still a lot of people out there who don't realize or recognize that that you can be fired simply for being gay, or that you can be denied a mortgage simply for being gay. And the whole host of people out there who still are victims to the stereotypes and, and misconceptions out there about gays and lesbians. So the book may be called The Accidental Activist but but I hope people realize that we can't sit around and wait for some catalyst to inspire us to become active. We need to recognize before that event happens that there are very positive things that we can be doing to affect change um, in our communities and
0: in our country. We ought not to be accidental.
1: That's right. (laughs) Too many reactivists, I think, instead of activists. And that's not a bad thing. um, But I don't think that we can spare the time right now to wait. For people to be reacting.
0: Yeah, but you know, it takes even for something that you feel strongly about. It does take courage to put yourself at the forefront of something, and and to even even to even to walk around your neighborhood, you know, getting signatures on a petition or something is difficult for a lot of people.
1: Certainly, um, but I looked back at, at the suffragist movement and the civil rights movement and, and saw people who realize that the risk was worth it um, and that while I encourage people to come out and allow others to know them as gays and lesbians, I do understand that that puts them at risk if they live in one of those states where they don't have protection from discrimination and um, that's up to the individual you know to decide when the time is right to come out. Um, but a, I certainly think it's worth worth the risk and that it's a necessary risk. but B, Even if you're not ready to come out, you can still show your feelings in the ballot box. You can still show your feelings in in supporting a candidate, um, either financially or with your volunteer time, that whether you're out or not, whether you're gay or not, there are still things that that you can be doing to, to make a positive difference.
0: Wow. So much, so much has been made of, of, I think, the differences between you and your brother that we don't often see some of the similarities, the things that the, the backgrounds that you shared, the family that you share, and the, some of the values that you share.
1: Yeah, I, I, that became very clear to me. Or I should say, even I was reminded of that um, myself when a, a few weeks ago, um, for a television uh, piece, my mother was interviewed, and and the interviewer asked her about, um, you know, the fact that gays are not protected from discrimination in the workplace in forty-one states, and and mom stated that. And she didn't think that was right, that if a gay can do the job, they should be allowed to do that, and and she would even fight that one herself. And the reporter went on to ask her, uh, you know, that we knew that Newt didn't support that, you know, discrimination protection, and, and um, what what did she think about that? You know, how could he feel that way? And and Mom said, very bluntly, as, as we know, my mother's very colorful and to the point, Well, she doesn't understand that because she didn't raise him that way. And in looking back at the way I was raised and the way that I'm sure my brother and two sisters were raised also, I was taught to value other human beings. I was taught to respect other human beings. I was taught that, that, I guess, that that Protestant worth ethic maybe that... um, and good days pay for a good day's work, right? No questions asked. Uh, and I've still continued to believe and understand those values. Um, and I think that, that, unfortunately, the situation may be that, that my brother's politics has, has clouded his his ability to see that for what it is. It's discrimination. It's wrong. He should be working just as hard as I am to end it.
0: If he were a Democrat instead of a Republican, would he be working harder?
1: Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that, and this was evidenced by, by some of the statements that I heard coming from more of uh, the active religious political groups, um, was that basically his victory, his, the overtaking of the House and the Senate um, by the Republicans, they had a lot to thank. The extreme right groups for the Christian Coalition, um, the the Eagle Forum, uh, you know, a lot of the organizations, and and so um, I'm not sure that as a Democrat that would have been the kind of support that he would have sought out. And so maybe he wouldn't be in that position to uh, to feel beholden to them. But certainly, as you mentioned before, being a Democrat does not necessarily mean that you get it. Um, it's just that more Democrats do understand it, it at this it, point it, than it, Republicans yeah, do. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's easier if you are a Democrat to take a position in favor of gay and lesbian rights than if you are a Republican in today's climate.
1: I guess I guess that's a, that's a safe, fair statement to say. Um, But I I think if you look back at the suffragists and the civil rights movement, you saw people that had to take a stand and and do what they knew was right rather than um, what their supporters thought was right. I mean, the, the, the Christian coalition, while they have very widespread influence, still represents a very narrow um, uh, margin of Americans in our country. Um, and I think you saw that in in San Diego with the, the platform language and what they decided there, and that they were talking about things and pushing agendas that most Americans don't agree with, but they happen to have been the ones in control. They happen to have been the ones most well-represented at that, that convention, so they got their points across.
0: Candace Gingrich celebrated their 55th birthday last week. And they're married to Kelly Cassidy, a member of the Illinois State Legislature. And you can find easy Amazon links to Candace Gingrich's books at our website, heardeverything.com. Oh, and also while you're there, you can hear my interview with Ellen DeGeneres' mom, Betty DeGeneres. I
1: worried about her well-being. I worried that she wouldn't have a man to take care of her. And I think she has taken care of herself rather well.
0: And my interview with Matthew Shepard's mother, Judy Shepard.
1: He called me on the phone and told me that he was gay, and I said, so why did you wait so long to tell me? And he's, he's like, how did you know before I knew? And I, I think, I really do think that we all know. M- moms know.
0: All of our past episodes of Now I've Heard Everything are posted at heardeverything.com, and you can find them all. There are a couple hundred of them there. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my conversation with a prominent Washington journalist, who wrote a book about his friend, Justice Thurgood Marshall. My 1993 interview with Carl T. Rowan. He said the two top achievements were the voting rights case, where he knocked out the white primary in Texas, and Brown versus Board of Education. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.